You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Today, if you uh, would like to follow along with the sermon notes, uh, there is the secret password to get on the Wi-Fi, but you're not allowed to check Facebook or Instagram or anything like that, uh, only for downloading the church app. We have ways of knowing. No, just kidding. We don't, we don't so uh, we are starting a new series today, three-week series, uh, kind of building on what Steve talked about last week called Living God's Word. Uh, how many of you here, were here last week for our regional Sunday service? Most of you were here. Uh, it was a great time. We had over a thousand people all together. Uh, so it's always a little bit of a downer the week after a regional because it's just us in this space. But you know what? Today wasn't too bad. I thought it was pretty good. Um, it's awesome to be together if you're visiting with us. Uh, we're glad you're here. We're the South Bay Church. And uh, this is really kind of in, in a phrase what we're trying to do. Can you start that timer so I know I know all of them will be happy if, if I know how long it's been. Um, uh, this is kind of in a phrase what we're trying to do, which is not just know the Bible or read the Bible, but, but put the Bible into practice in our lives. Like, What does the Bible mean for us in the 21st century? Uh, we believe that God has spoken... Uh, the creator of all things, like we, we believe God exists, that God created the universe, and uh, science is, the, the farther we go into science, the farther we go along, the more science uh, really attests to the fact that God is real. Because for a long time, uh, people would try to say, oh no, the universe has always been, everything's just the same, it's always been just as it is. And, and the more they investigated, the more they thought, no, everything had a beginning, not just matter, but Everything, like time itself had a beginning. Everything has this beginning that is just absolutely uh, uh, clarified by science. And then the more that they study, the more they, they, they discover that, well, not only did everything have a beginning, but it wasn't just like this explosion. It was this perfectly ordered beginning, the, the most perfect order you could ever imagine. And things are decaying from that point. And, and it was so intricate that there's, there's, there's dozens and dozens of parameters that if you tweaked one thing by even... You know, point zero 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 one. there would be no universe. There would be no galaxies. There would be no stars. Just all of these parameters that are fine-tuned, like the universe is fine-tuned for us to be here. And uh, the more they investigate life and how life works, the more they see, wow, this is incredible. The, you know, they used to think that a cell was just sort of a, uh, you know, a, 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 a circle with just some, some gunk in it, you know. And then the more they discover, no, the cell is like the most complicated factory we've ever seen. And some of you, you kids are studying cells. You know, you start studying that in fifth grade and the ribosomes and the, you know, endoplasmic reticulum and all that stuff. It's like, this is incredibly complicated, incredibly amazing. And the more they study DNA, they see this is like the most complicated computer code we've ever heard of that's in every cell of your body that, that designs all this stuff. And they used to think that most of, of DNA was junk. You might have heard that myth. Oh, yeah, most of it is junk. Only some of it is used for, for coding for proteins. Now they're discovering, no, only a little bit is used for coding proteins. The rest of it is, is like the operating system for how it's used. And so all this code, it really does do something. So anyway, the point of all that is science attests to there being a God. God speaks to us through his creation. Okay. 
But we also believe God has spoken to us not only through His creation, but through His revealed Word. In human language, in human culture, through human beings like you and me, there are people who have heard God's voice and relayed that to the rest of us. And not only that, but God continues to speak to us through His Holy Spirit. And so that's what this, this uh, series is about, is listening to God's Spirit, listening to God's voice, living God's voice, and learning from God's voice. So those are the three things we're going to be talking about. Today we're talking about listening. So raise your hand if you're a good listener. People are kind of like, uh, is that a trick question? You know, we aren't really... Uh, oh, if you are in Kids' Kingdom and you have not already left to go to orientation, that's happening right now during this talk. So if you're in the new rotation of Kids' Kingdom, that's happening right now, so you can sneak out. So, uh, as far as whether you're a good listener or not, you're not really the person to ask, are you? The person to ask is your roommate or your best friend or your spouse. They're the ones that really say whether or not you're a good listener. Um, I want to show you a quick video. This is, called, this is a foreign language uh, commercial called How Husbands Talk to Their Wives. Uh, so I'll play this for you for a second. See if you can relate at all. If you're a married. chuckling and the wives don't think it's funny at all um, you know active listening takes uh, more than just mm-hmm right active listening requires energy focus humility and patience and uh, I've learned uh, how to be a better listener I wouldn't say I'm a great listener but I've learned to be a better listener uh, over 25 years of marriage we're gonna have 25 years of marriage in March can't believe it. It's crazy. Um, so I've kind of learned, you know, uh, how to listen a little bit better. Um, you know, I still sometimes there'll be moments where we're talking uh, and, um, you know, I, we kind of reach a point where I realize I haven't been paying attention. I've been thinking about something else. Maybe I've been thinking about something she said, but it's kind of taken me in another journey in my mind. And then I realize there's kind of a pause like I should be. And so I, I have a choice. I could kind of go you know, a generic response like, interesting, or, hmm. Uh, but she sees right through that. So nowadays I just go, I'm sorry, I, I missed the last, you know, few things. Here's the last thing I remember you saying. Like on, when, you, when the cell phone drops, here's the last thing I heard you say. You know, that's kind of what I've learned to do. Here's the last thing I remember you saying, and then, and then I went off somewhere else. So do you mind repeating that? And, uh, you know, I've learned she would rather repeat it than me act like I heard what she said. And move on. Um, and she's also learned that when I am quiet or when I am sort of, you know, lost, it's usually not any kind of deep, profound thing that I'm thinking. Um, you know, like we were, I remember we had a restaurant talking one time uh, for a while, and then I was kind of quiet for a minute, and she's like, 
she kind of got real serious, and she's like, what are you thinking? I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I was listening to the bass on the, rec- on the song that's playing. <laughs> and I was, I was trying to decide if that's a real bass or if that's a keyboard bass. <laughs> I had this real serious look on my face. So she's learned that, you know, I'm usually thinking about something kind of not very deep. But uh, when we were first married, I, I'm past this now. So when we were first married, I would, you know, be playing the guitar and, and she'd be talking to me and I'd be, you know, kind of playing the guitar. And she would say I wasn't listening. And I would say, well, I can repeat back exactly what you said. Here's what you said, blah, 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 blah. And I'm still playing guitar. You know, I'm like, I'm listening. I can, I, I can repeat right back what you said. And I'm like, isn't this romantic anyway? I'm playing the guitar while you're talking to me. And No, she didn't, she didn't like that at all. So... I've learned that active listening requires energy, focus, humility, and patience. You've got to give your full attention, full attention, if you're really going to listen. And it's true with listening to the Spirit of God, that you've got to stop what you're doing and listen. And uh, Steve read this verse last week from John 10. Jesus says, My sheep, that's us, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So we're going to be talking a little bit more about listening to the voice of God through looking at an example from Scripture's today. Um, I want to review a little bit of what Steve talked about last week. He, he, he introduced us to two Greek words, logos and rema. So here's the thing. If you didn't realize this, the, the Bible was not written in English. Uh, God, again, spoke through people in human language, in human culture, in human time, uh, his word, but it's in human form. So the Old Testament was all written in Hebrew And the New Testament was all written in Greek. And so that has limitations for us because we, most of us, are primarily English speakers or, you know, we grew up with one language, maybe two, maybe there's a few that, you know, three here. But most of us are kind of, you know, we're limited on our Greek or our Hebrew or whatever, right? So Hebrew is interesting because it is way, way fewer words than English. Many, many fewer words. And so a lot of times a word in Hebrew will have a lot more meaning than that same word when it's translated in English. And then uh, in, in Greek sometimes, Greek is, is more words than Hebrew, still less than, uh, than English, but there, there still are times when there are multiple Greek words and there's only one English word used. Like we, we all probably heard about love, how in the Bible it says love in a lot of places, and those are different words. There's phileo love, which is brotherly love. Or there's agape love, which, which is the self-sacrificial, godly love. There's different kinds of love, but it just, in the Bible it just says love. So, so that, that tells you, you know, you've got to read more context into it and things like that. And that's the case with the word, word. So the several times in the Bible it says word, but it, it could be different Greek words. And so uh, Steve introduces us to these two Greek words. So logos is translated word, and rema is also translated word. But they have different meanings. So logos is the universal word of God, whereas rema is specific word of God. So an analogy is like a well versus a bucket. You know, a well of water, a source of water, has all the water there, or a bucket of water you draw out of that well for a specific purpose. You know, logos is the eternal standard of truth, whereas rema is situational instruction. It might not be the same for everyone. It, but it's for that time and that moment and that place and that person. That's an amazing thing, though, to me. That God didn't just set the universe in motion and then step back and, and not interact with it. And God didn't just give his word and then step back and go, okay, do what you will. He still gives his word. 
He still speaks into our lives. He still has given us the Holy Spirit to counsel us and guide us. God will still counsel you even in your situation, in your life. That's pretty amazing if you think about how vast the universe is, the fact that there's 7 billion people on earth, and yet God will still give you a specific word. That's amazing. Why don't we pray more, right? Why don't we call on God more? The creator of all things, who knows all things, who speaks in, into all, you know, all people's minds, he can, he can give you a word. That's an amazing thing we need to take advantage of. That's pretty profound. An example of kind of how these two words are different uh, is like for my wife, Dessa, she's been going through uh, a health issue for, uh, with her shoulder since July. So chronic pain since July in her shoulder. Uh, you know, and that's a long time. July, always in pain. August, always in pain. September, always in pain. October, November, December, always in pain with her shoulder. And there's this vast body of medical knowledge out there, this well of knowledge, but she was not having trouble finding out how does that knowledge, that vast well of knowledge relate to her specific situation. So she went to three or four different kinds of doctors, had three different MRIs, you know, trying to find out what it is. What is the REMA? What is the, what is the diagnosis for her situation? And uh, we finally, this past week, got the diagnosis. She has uh, it's adhesive capsulitis, otherwise known as frozen shoulder syndrome. And so there's three phases of frozen shoulder. Intense pain. Phase one, intense pain in your shoulder freezes up, phase two. Phase three is the pain goes away or, or lessens and then your shoulder starts to dethaw and then you, it, it goes back, you know, to being re- regular. It happens to women between 40 and 60 and uh, usually there's some kind of trauma and then it starts it. Anyway, that's, we've got the diagnosis. So now that we have the diagnosis, we're, we're looking at articles about it and it's, it's not that uncommon of a thing and it, everything we read, it's like, oh yeah, that's exactly you. That's exactly, you know, you can't sleep at night. Yeah, that's exactly you. That's one of the biggest problems. You don't get sleep. Anyway, that's the difference between all this universal body of knowledge and then the specific word to her, the specific diagnosis. Does that make sense? So that's like the God, God's word. But then what does it mean for your life and your situation and your problem and your pain or your hardship or your relationship or your decision you have to make or, or your choices in life? That's the difference between Logos and Rema. And there's many examples in Scripture. We're going to look at uh, a story that I think illustrate this a little bit in 1 Kings 19, if you want to turn there. But a couple of New Testament examples of that word rema, uh, one of them Steve mentioned last week, that was Peter, where Peter was fishing all night, and uh, Jesus told him to throw your nets on the other side of the boat. And he says, Lord, we've been fishing all night, haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will do it. That's rema, because you say so, like because you're telling me what to do right here and right now in this place, I'm going to do it. That's a great response. I'm going to obey the rema in my life right now. Another example from the New Testament is Mary. When the angel comes to her and tells her about the whole thing that's going to happen, that she's going to become pregnant even though she's never been with a man and uh, through her is going to be the Savior. And uh, She says, may it be to me as you have said. That's the word rema. May this specific word in my life be what you've said. So that's a couple examples, but we're going to look at 1 Kings 19. We're going to do a little bit of reading. So if you don't have a Bible, if you're new, uh, we have free Bibles for first-time guests back at the, uh, at the table there, at the welcome table if you want to grab one, or if you want to read on with someone else. You can get the Bible free on your phone as well um, through
through lots of different apps, so uh, everybody should be able to read on. Uh, let's say a quick prayer, and then we'll, uh, we'll read a little bit here in 1 Kings 19. God, as we open your word, I pray that you would speak to each one of us a rema. God, I pray you speak to each one of us. What do you want us to hear from you specifically in our lives? God, we want to see lives changed and transformed by your word. We, want, we don't want to leave here the same. And uh, wherever we are today in our faith, wherever we are today uh, in, in our journey, I pray that everybody takes a step closer towards you today uh, through our, our look into the Scriptures. I pray that you speak through me, God. I pray that you use my words uh, to deliver your message in, in, in this place and at this time. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So 1 Kings 19, we're going to look at a prophet, uh, not just a prophet, but Elijah. He's kind of the prototypical prophet. He's one of the greatest prophets. And in fact, John the Baptist, who came before Jesus, was said to be to come in the spirit of Elijah, like one of, of Elijah. And it uses the word Rema when it talks about uh, John. It says, John, the word of God came to John. The Rema came to John. So Elijah was this awesome uh, man of God, this great prophet. He did miracles. He heard from God, spoke with God. We're going to look at a, a little story in his life where he communicates with God. And this comes right after this incredible victory. First Kings 18 is uh, a, a great story if you've never read it. It's, it's one man, Elijah, versus 850 false prophets who are leading Israel astray and, and trying to get them to worship Baal and, uh, and on every, all this immorality that comes along with worshiping Baal. And uh, so it's, it's this standoff between Elijah, the one-man prophet of God, and 850 of the false prophets. And they have this awesome uh, uh, kind of battle there, and God answers Elijah in fire from heaven uh, in this incredible way. It's this amazing thing. And so that's what happens in, in, in 1 Kings 18, this great victory. But then... After that, in verse 1 of 19, now Ahab told Jezebel, Ahab is the king of Israel, Jezebel is his wife, the queen. Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he'd killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. At once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Then he went into a cave and spent the night. So Elijah is here at a very low point. You know, it says in verse 3, he prayed that he might die. That's a pretty low point, uh, right? Anytime somebody's just, God, just kill me now. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm done. You know, you can tell he's, he's really struggling in his faith. He's struggling in, uh, in his view of the world. And 
And what can happen sometimes when we go through crises, sometimes one very real problem or a set of problems can become your whole reality. You know, one very real problem can become your whole reality, your whole world. There's a whole world out there that Elijah's not aware of, as we're going to see, but he was consumed by this one thing, and that was Queen Jezebel wants to kill him. Now, he had just defeated 850 false prophets, but something about Jezebel, it really scared him. And he just, you know, and and that's just life, right? You have ups and you have downs. Sometimes the deepest lows can come right on the heels of the greatest highs. And the, the spiritual journey that we're on of, of, of trying to make it to heaven, of trying to stay faithful, persevering through and uh, following Jesus, it's going to have peaks and it's going to have valleys. It's going to have highs and it's going to have lows. I know for me over time, the highs have, and lows have kind of, they're not as high or not as low it seems like, but, but you know, sometimes you get a big low and uh, you're like, how long is this low going to last? And and, uh, you know, 2017 might have been an incredible banner year for you, or it might have been a tough time for you. But either way, God's voice is there to guide us through all of it. And even so even though Elijah, he's depressed, he's a little out of touch, he seems to be feeling sorry for himself a little bit, as we're going to see. Uh, he's, he's frankly a little bit suicidal almost, although he's like, I'm not going to kill myself, but God, you just kill me. You know, that's how low he is, is. I appreciate this about him, and this is point one. I appreciate that, that he's looking in the right place. You know what I mean? He, he's, he's going through a tough time. He's afraid, but he's seeking God. Where does he go? He says he goes to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. Uh, this is not a picture of Mount Horeb. Uh, this is a picture of a different mountain. Anybody know what this picture is? Raise your hand if you know. Okay, so the Star Wars geeks know. Yeah, this is the uh, this is this is the this is the mountain that Luke went to. You know, when he was in his uh, his low point. <laughs> yeah, it's actually a real mountain, I'm sure. Yeah. So, th- but but this is metaphorically Mount Horeb. I appreciate that he's going to the right place uh, because we can look to when we're when we're in. When we're in that down t- period, we can look to the wrong sources. And, and let's be honest, sometimes our low or sometimes our valley is completely self-inflicted. You know, God calls sin, sin because it wrecks your life. And it has consequences in your relationships and in your own well-being and in your own mentality. You know, so when you're into sin, it's going to have fa- it's going to have effects on you. So sometimes it's our own sin that's put us in this whatever situation we're in but sometimes it's it's not our own sin at all it's just life right it's just we're in a decaying and fallen world it might be someone else's sin people have free will god has given all human beings free will and so if i have free will then that means i can choose to hurt you i can choose to abuse you and then you're you know you suffer consequences of my sin so sometimes our our valley can be our own sin sometimes it can be someone else's sin Sometimes it's just life. And, uh, and, but, but we can seek uh, comfort or advice or help in places that are not going to help us. And uh, there is a story I read recently in the, uh, in the Old Testament of, uh, of, uh, of a guy that, in fact, it's this guy, this woman, Jezebel's husband, uh, who 
it says he, he, he wanted help. He, was in, he had a military issue. He was in trouble uh, politically. And so he sought help from the king of Assyria. But I love the verse because it says, but the king of Assyria brought him trouble instead of help. This is, uh, uh, you know what, I don't have the verse written down. You could Google it. But the king of Assyria came to Ahaz, but gave him trouble instead of help. So that, I just, that rung with me because I think that can happen to us sometimes. You, you look to something for help, but it brings you trouble instead of help. This was supposed to help me, and now it's bringing me trouble instead. I appreciate that Elijah is looking in the right place. And so Elijah uh, is coming to God's presence. He goes to Mount Horeb. Mount Horeb, the mountain of God, if you don't remember, is where Moses first encountered God. And uh, if you want to catch up on that, you can look on our, our, our lessons, the lesson called You Are Holy. We talked about, uh, remember, that's the first time holy was ever used in the Bible is when Moses saw the burning bush and, and, and the voice says, take off your shoes, the place you're standing is holy ground. So that's the place Elijah travels to. He's like, I need a word from the Lord. I need to be with God. I'm going to go to this place that uh, Moses encountered God. And let's keep reading. It says, the word of the Lord came to him. Verse 9, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword, and I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. So the word of the Lord comes to him and says, what are you doing here? You know, anytime God asks a question in the Bible like, like that, it's not for his own edification, is it? it it's not because it's not he doesn't know. You know, he speaks to Adam you know, and Eve, and where are you? He speaks to Cain. He says, what are you doing, Cain? You know, what, what's going on in your mind? He's not asking because he doesn't know. He's asking because that helps us to kind of identify, what, what am I doing here? Sometimes you just kind of need to ask yourself that. When you're in a, in, a, in a tough spot spiritually, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? How did I get this far off? You know, you just need a wake-up call sometimes. You realize, what am I doing here? And uh, it's a common human experience where he's at. He's, he's kind of disappointed. We'll look, look at, at what he says in a minute here. But, but he's, he's at a low point. And that's very common for a lot of people uh, to go through a low point point of loss or failure or disappointment or discouragement. I was working on this lesson, uh, listening to, to an album by Bonnie Iver, if you know who Bonnie Iver is, that band. And uh, there's this song, I really love the song, but you don't really know what he's singing because he sings in that falsetto voice. And so I was listening to the song Stacks and uh, I looked up the lyrics. Uh, you know, you can't tell because he's like, you can't really hear what he's saying. But here are the words. They're really pretty deep but i've been twisting to the sun i needed to replace and the fountain in the front yard is rusted out all my love was down in a frozen ground there's a black crow sitting across from me his wiry legs are crossed he's dangling my keys he even fakes a toss whatever could it be that has brought me to this loss Man, such deep words. I don't, I don't know. If I, I like you know poet poetic stuff. I guess because I'm a songwriter. But but that's that we can get there. We're like, how did I get to this point? How am I so off? Or why why is things not working for me? And that that's where Elijah is right now. 
But the thing that's amazing to me is that God is, is so patient with him. And he, he, he helps him, he meets him, he even sends an angel to feed him. God meets us in our weakness. Isn't that incredible? That God wants to hear when you're going through hard times. Uh, anybody's started reading through the Psalms and you're, you're kind of reading through them, you're like, man, like half of these are really negative. Half of these are really bummer. You know, we were, Dessa was listening to one the other day. She, she's in, lying in bed in pain listening to to uh, this psalm, uh, you know, on her, on her phone. You know, she listens to the Bible, which is a great thing to do, by the way. If you, if you don't have Bible Gateway app, it has, you can listen to audio for free. It's really cool. So she's listening to the psalm, and it's like, I am so afflicted, and all day long I wet my bed with tears. And, you know, it's just like, I'm like, honey, this is just like you, you know. She's like, no, this is not, this is discouraging me. But, but why, why is that? Why are half of the psalms negative? Maybe it's because half the time we're going through hard things, right? And the Psalms are there to teach us how to connect with God in those down times, to be real, to be honest. You you know, you're not going to always be up. Everything's not going to always be going great. Amen for the great times. But but we got to go to the right place in those up times and those down times. And the right place might even be a physical place. Like, Like I said, Elijah goes to Mount Horeb and for me, the place I go to, I, I know I've shared this with you before, it's this mountain behind my house. Uh, my house is right there, and this is this kind of mountain. It looks like a mountain from my house. It's actually not that big. Here's right in front of it. But I go up there, and from up on top, you can look out all, over all the South Bay. And so sometimes I feel better just going there. That's my mountain of God. You know, even when my kids were, were little, we named it the Mount of the Lord's Blessing. You know, we go... I go up there. That's a good spot for me. But when I lived in Redondo, it was this place. Anybody recognize that? That's on Grant Street. That's this huge tree. I used to go there and I'd just sit at the bottom of that tree. And, uh, you know, there was, a, there was these trees that Abraham would go to, the trees of Mamre, you know, the oaks of Mamre that he would go to. When I lived in Torrance on the corner of Western and Sepulveda, you go, what's good around there? Well, I went to the railroad tracks. I loved walking on those railroad tracks, the corner of Western and Sepulveda. You know, I'd walk on those tracks one way for half an hour and walk, the, you know, walk back if I was having a rough time. There's always a place you can go to. Uh, maybe it's a closet. You know, maybe it's your garage. You know, for Kevin Maines, he loved to go to the parking garage. Quiet parking garage, as low as he could go down into a parking garage and just sit in his car and pray. That was his place to go and meet with God. And, but, but uh, you know, you've got to go to a place to, to be with God. Um, you know, speaking of Kevin, uh, Kevin passed away, you know, last year, early in 2017. And that was kind of the beginning of what, what ended up being a really rough year for us. Uh, you know, Kevin, well, we started out with our heater went out at the beginning of the year. So we had no heat in our house at the beginning of 2017. <clears throat> and then, you know, when Kevin passed away, Kevin was a guy, I know close to a lot of us, he used to lead this ministry here and Kevin discipled us for about eight years or so uh, through, you know, our kids, our second and third kid being born and on the little kid stage of our life and uh, just uh, through being new in the ministry and learning how to do ministry and so many things that I do in life, I I just, you know, have reflections of Kevin in them because he taught me how to do them, you know, studying with people or uh, doing ministry and and, you know, it, it's been a really tough loss. That was a really, really tough hit for, I know, a lot of us. Uh, you know, why? Why did Kevin have to pass away? Why did this have to happen? And that was very significant 
morning for a lot of us. And, and that was hard for our household. And, and we just had all kinds of other things that aren't as deep of things happen. But in our household, you know, our, our, uh, our transmission went out of our van on the way up to carrying equipment for, for youth camp. You know, I'm trying to serve the Lord and our transmission goes out. You know, and then our car got uh, broken into. Somebody broke the window and stole my computer and stole Dust's purse. And just a lot of the, things like that, you know. Uh, our washing machine went, went out and we had rats and, uh, you know, just, <laughs> just tr- challenges, right? Each of our kids has gone through some kind of crisis this year. Some really serious, difficult stuff that our kids have gone through. And, you know, if you're close to them, you know kind of what kind of stuff they've been going through. And, and you know, as a parent, it's, it's almost harder when your kid goes through something than when you go through something, right? And so we're trying to, trying to figure that out. So it was just, I was really glad to kiss 2017 goodbye. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, we, we just go through things like that. And, and uh, I, I was talking to a brother uh, in our ministry uh, a month or two ago or something. We had coffee, and he was telling me about his 2017 and he had a horrible 2017. I mean, one thing after another, after another, after another. It's like it starts to seem like, did somebody design this to be bad? You know, and he was just feeling so discouraged, just just a, a, a loss of uh, of hope, you know, and, and a loss of things didn't turn out as expected in his life. His 2017 did not turn out at all like he expected. He went into it thinking, oh, this and this. And then it was like all the opposite of that. And uh, just, you know struggling to have hope, struggling to be at peace, struggling to, to still be positive. And it just made me think about, you know, I'm, I'm talking to him and you know how sometimes when you're sharing with somebody else, it helps your own heart as well, you know. And I asked him, I said, Do you, can you think of anybody in the Bible who everything just turned out as expected? Uh, you know, everything went, thought it was going to go well and then it all went well. And we were both like, no, I can't think of anybody. You know, uh, no, it didn't. And, uh, you know, it just made me think of this verse, Romans 5, 15, 4. It says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. That's encouraging. That's why we have these stories, is to give us hope in these times. And so we have to have active listening to those stories, active listening to the Word of God. Uh, that, that these are there to, to have hope. If you feel like you've had expectations that, that didn't come through, you know, you've got some good company with a lot of people in the Scriptures that you can find comfort from. So let's keep reading. It says uh, that uh, uh, in verse 11, it says, The Lord said, Go out and stand in the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went and stood at the mouth of the cave. Uh, I picture this like th- this is a picture of the actual event right there. Actually, that's another Star Wars picture. But, you know, stands at the mouth of the cave. He puts his, you know, cloak over his face. And, and you know, this is amazing. You know, you watch a fire, this huge fire happen. Have you ever seen a huge fire? It's pretty impressive. He watches an earthquake. He sees this mighty wind, you know. But God is not in these things. God's voice comes in what? 
a gentle whisper, a still small voice is what the King James used to say, a still small voice, a gentle whisper. God, you know, God will speak to us, but we've got to, first of all, if you're living in rebellion against God, like if God's over here and you're headed that way, starting thing is to turn around, right? Head towards God, that's called repentance. Head towards God, head towards the right place. But then when you get there, you've got to listen to the right voice. And again, it takes active listening to hear the voice of God because sometimes it is a the earthquake or it's not the fire or it's not the wind that we want to see from God. We want to hear from God. We want these great, huge miracles. We want these incredible events like 1 Kings 18. And sometimes those happen. You know, I remember year 2000, the Jubilee, where we planted a church in every nation of the world that had a, a city of at least 100,000. That was an incredible victory. That was an earthquake and fire and wind. I can remember, you know, people getting baptized in this incredible, miraculous way, changed lives, or these huge events that are awesome and wonderful, and we want those, but sometimes God speaks to us in still, small voice. You know, the, the gentle whisper, it takes you being quiet, and stopping, and slowing down, and going, what does God want to teach me here? What is God trying to say to me here? We've got to listen to the right voice. See, Elijah had not been listening to the right voice. He'd been on what, what I call a negative thought roll. Actually, I think Kevin Maines, uh, that's another Kevin Maines thing. Talk about, get on a negative thought roll where you, you kind of, this is negative. Oh yeah, and this is negative. Oh yeah, and this too. Oh yeah, and this. And you know, you just start to start piling up all your negativity. Anybody ever done that? You don't have to raise your hand, but you can if you want. <laughs> you know, one negative thought leads to another, leads to another. And pretty soon it's just, man, everything is just negative. That's kind of what he's doing. Uh, You know, he says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. What does that tell you? I think he's kind of like feeling sorry for himself. Look, I did all these great things for you, God. You know, I did all this stuff. And now this is what I get. He says, the Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, put your prophets to death with a sword. Is that all true? Yeah, it's all true. But he's... You know, he's got this perspective, everything's going wrong. Everybody's against what's right. No one wants to do what's good. Everybody's leaving. Everyone else is doing the wrong thing, and and it seems to be working for them. I'm doing the right thing, and it's not working for me. Uh, He says, I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too, he says. And did you notice, by the way, verse 14 is the same as the verse earlier? I love how the Holy Spirit did that. You know, why? Because when we're in this state... We have our, like, case. You know what I mean? We have it memorized. Well, this is bad, and this is bad, and this, and then this. You know, and you have it all memorized. This is the exact same thing. How are you doing? Well, this is bad, and this is bad, and this, you know, whatever. Like, he's got it all together. I'm the only one left. Now they're trying to kill me, too. I'm all alone. I'm the only one. No one else understands. Anybody ever felt like that before? I'm the only one. Nobody else can understand what I'm going through. So much of the spiritual battleground is in the domain of our thoughts. So much of the spiritual battleground it takes place in, in what we think and how we allow ourselves to think. And again, this is kind of a cutting-edge thing in science, that how you think literally shapes your brain. The, 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 the physical structure of your brain can be reshaped through the thought patterns that you allow yourself to have. And so if you're always thinking negative, your brain gets rewired even in that way. And so a lot of the new kind of edge of, of psychology is trying to help you change how you think. 
But that's the spiritual battleground. You know, there's a great verse uh, in 2 Corinthians 10, 5 that says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's, a, that's active spiritual battle, is taking captive those thoughts, not allowing Satan to get us on a negative thought train. The word Satan is not a name. That's not Satan's name. Satan means the accuser. So Satan is always speaking to us. He's always accusing us. He's always trying to disrupt the voice of God. And so you've got to tune out that voice and listen to the right voice. I'm kind of running out of time, so I'm going to finish up some of this next week. I just want to... Uh, kind of close with, with thinking about what, what did Elijah get from this. Uh, look at God's response, verse, eight, uh, verse 15. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came and to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel. And anoint uh, Elijah son of Shaphat from Abel Mahola to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael. And Elijah will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. So what was God's rema to Elijah? Uh, you know, he says, okay, you've been here, you've been with me, now you need to go back. So after you've been on the mountain with God, you've got to go back into your situation. And he says, invest in others. Pick this guy, have him do that. Pick this guy, have him do that. Pick this guy, have him do that. You know, invest in others. You're not alone, God tells him. Uh, he tries to get him to see a larger reality. He says, there's 7,000 people. There's 7,000 of you. You say, I'm the only one. There's 7,000 who are still faithful to me. And so he tries to shift his reality. He tries to expand his view. Elijah's view had collapsed onto just his problems and situation. God tries to open up his, his, his world. So God gives him a real specific rema. And I feel like God's been doing that in, in my life. You know, I, I've been praying, God, give me an answer. God, show me, help me. And, and I feel like, have you ever wanted God to put something in the sky, like an answer in the sky? Like, God, just show me. Just show me in the sky that you're there. Well, God did that for me about a month ago. Uh, he put this in the sky. And you guys see that? That was, uh, you know, a couple months ago. That was just for me. God did that just for me. That was my rema. Because I realized that just having hope, you know, there's three big ones, Paul says. There's three big ones when it comes to Christianity. Faith, hope, and love. We talk a lot about faith and love, but we don't talk a lot about hope. And I realized I have just, I need a new hope, like the, the Star Wars title. I need a new hope. I need renewed hope. And uh, I, I can't let my hope ebb away. I, there is always hope. My situation's not that bad. And, uh, you know, the different things we've been going through. So, you know, my, my uh, sort of theme in 2017 was invest in relationships. Take time for relationships. That was my theme. Take time for relationships. And God did that in 2017. I got a lot of time for relationships because I went through a lot of hard things that gave me a lot of opportunities to talk to people and get vulnerable and get real. And it's been really good. And my theme for 2018 is to let go. To let go and just be okay with things not being okay sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, not going to sing the song. I know some of you want to sing the song. But 
But I just got to let go. Let God, let others, let, let God work things out. Let others uh, help me out. I don't have to, I'm a little bit of a control freak and I just got to let go. And let God do what he's going to do. Because I want to, I want to fix things, you know, when things are not right with my kid or things are not right with my wife or things are, I want to fix it all and I just can't. I got to let go. And, 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 and continue to have hope and cling to the word of God and combine that with faith. And we're going to talk more about that next week. Uh, I'll just put this uh, thing up to leave you with. Uh, whoops. I'm having trouble with my thing here. There we go. Action is actually what makes faith faith. Action is actually what makes faith faith. Faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see, putting your full weight on something. So, as Steve said last week, there is no faith without action. So, when it comes to listening to the voice of God, you, you really have faith when you combine what you hear with doing. When you combine what you hear, what you hear with living. So, next week we're going to be talking about living and talking a little bit more about this. That action is actually what makes faith faith. That you're going to now, that you've heard the voice of God, now you're going to do something with that voice of God. And that's what Elisha does in, in the rest of the story. So, amen. I hope this has encouraged you. Uh, let's say a quick word of prayer uh, to close out our lesson. And then we get to hear from Andrew. Desario is going to uh, set up our offering. Let's pray. God, thank you that you do speak to us even today in real specific ways. Uh, you meet us in our struggles. You meet us whatever we're going through and help us and give us a word of encouragement. I pray that everybody can come away from, uh, from our time here looking at Elijah. Even though he was going through a rough time, I pray that it can encourage us, God, that you do help us in the up times and you also help us in the down times. And I pray that we can really learn to listen to that quiet, gentle whisper uh, in our lives in the way that your spirit is, speaking to, is seeking to communicate to us. Thank you so much that you love us in this way. Thank you for Jesus and his perfect example. And I look forward to looking more about, uh, at him next week about who he was and and how he embodies the word in a physical sense. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.